The image for this series is a woman celebrating the festival of holy to remind us that blessing doesn't always look like what we expect. In fact, as we study the final Beatitudes, we will see even more parallels. I've never participated in the festival of holy, but I've been hit by water balloons on a hot day, so I think I can imagine what it's like. It's an event that's fun to be a part of, but there's also a chance of getting hurt. You know, sometimes I may have to close my eyes. At the end of a water balloon fight, I'm cooled off. And at the end of Holy, I'd be covered in bright colors and smell wonderful. The final blessings are kind of like that. A greater challenge with an even greater reward. Blessed is living in the assurance that I'm with God and God is with me. Even though my present circumstances might not look like it, If I'm blessed, I'm actually living in the kingdom of heaven. That's not a delusion. It's a life with hope. Now, how do I get that life of hope? That's the question Jesus answered in Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Today, we're looking at the seventh person Jesus says is blessed. In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus teaches this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. One of the biggest challenges people often have is being defined by what we do instead of what we are. You may have heard the phrase, we're supposed to be human beings, not human doings. Yet when we are asked to describe ourselves, we all often quickly refer to our occupations. I say, I'm a pastor, instead of saying, I pastor. I've seen interviews by Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman where the interviewer says casually, you're an actor. And then these men respond with something like, don't call me that. I'm not an actor. I'm a human being. Acting is what I do, not what I am. I agree with that view of humanity. So as we dig into this verse, I want us all to know where we're going. We're starting off with something that Jesus wants us to do and we will end with what we are supposed to be. But what we need to remember is that it's not the doing that transforms my being, but my being that transforms what I do. What Jesus calls me to do to receive this blessing is the task of peace. Think about this. Is there a place or person that you like to be around because they are calming There are people who just bring the anxiety level down. When I worked at a Christian bookstore, my manager told me about a time when she attended the Christian booksellers convention. They were in this big auditorium. Publishers all had their display areas, and also publishers would also sometimes have their authors or artists come to the convention as special guests. This place was noisy, business was happening, and then... John Michael Talbot walked into the room, and the whole place went quiet. There are places to go also where there are no expectations on me. My grandmother Jewel's house was like that. We could just go there and chill out, eat food that she would cook for us, watch TV, play, sleep, whatever we wanted to do. She had no expectations on us other than to be there. And there was no drama going on in our house, so we could just relax. 
And as great and needed as those people and places are, those are not peacemakers. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the people who have a quiet demeanor, nor people who project serenity. It doesn't say, blessed is the quiet house. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is the compound word of action. Although this person probably does have an internal peace of their own, what Jesus is describing is a person that is making, building, or doing the work of bringing peace. That means this blessed person is not living in a peaceful situation. In order to be a peacemaker, I would have to go to a place where there is conflict. The conflict could be between me and another person. The conflict could be outside of me where I come in as a mediator. Or the conflict could be be between a person and God. But whatever the situation, one does not make peace in a place that is already peaceful. Peace is made in places where there's conflict, disagreement, sin, vying for power and control. And although I mentioned sin as one reason for conflict, not all conflict is sin. Just because you and I may have a difference of opinion on something does not mean that one of us or both of us is sinning. But it does mean in order to find a unity, one of us or both of us, or perhaps a third party, will have to do work to bring a resolution, a compromise, understanding, and reconciliation. Peace doesn't happen without effort. One of the longest-running conflicts in the world today is Israel and the whole rest of the Middle East. The Middle East has conflicts between nations, conflicts between ethnic groups, and conflicts between and within religions. They fight over land, sacred sites, resources, and even the right to live. All these groups are not just going to one day on their own release all their agendas and live in peace. Multiple times, outside people and powers have come in and tried to make peace in the Middle East. I've been hearing about meetings at Camp David since I was a child. I think every president of the United States would love to have in their legacy that they brought peace to the Middle East. But I personally wouldn't want to be known as that particular peacemaker. The way I have understood Bible prophecy is that only two people will be able to make peace in the Middle East. A person called the Antichrist will make peace for a short time, but it's really only a ruse to get power for himself. And I don't want to be that person. And the second person, I'm simply not. After the Antichrist, Jesus Christ will return and make peace in Israel and the whole world by destroying all who oppose his peace. While peace brought through the destruction of one's enemies isn't the most peaceful way of making peace, let's not neglect the fact that before Jesus returns in power and majesty, he has already come 2,000 years ago as the Prince of Peace, riding on a donkey, offering himself as a sacrifice so that before he returns, we can have peace with God and each other. There is no peace with God without the Prince of Peace. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. And I think is 
the one reason, or at least one of the reasons, why being a peacemaker is a thing to be blessed. Being a peacemaker is one way to be like Jesus. But before I can become a peacemaker, I must gain peace myself through Jesus. If I have excellent training in listening and arbitration and compromise, I might do something that wins me a Nobel Peace Prize. But what good is that if I don't have peace in my own life and peace with God? It may feel easier to tell other people how to deal with their problems and find peace than to deal with my own unrest. But Jesus desires and has the power to bring peace to every individual and the whole world. There are many different types of peace. I have mentioned national peace with Israel and the Middle East. But those certainly aren't the only countries in the world that are in conflict. I think even though there are wars in the Bible, the trajectory of Scripture is toward world peace. Nations are not eliminated in the kingdom of God, but nations are at peace with other nations and within their own nations. Revelation 22.2 describes the kingdom of God as a place on earth where, Jerusalem, where in Jerusalem there's a river. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing fruit every month, and the leaves on the tree were for the healing of the nations. I should also mention that the word for nations in that verse is ethnos, from which we get our word ethnicity. But the Bible doesn't seem to make a distinction between a political nation and an ethnic or cultural nation. All around the world, but especially in the United States, we see the need for ethnic, cultural, and racial peace. That is a difficult peace to make. We read of ethnic and cultural conflict in the Bible. That's the major conflict in the book of Esther and Nehemiah. But the trajectory of Scripture is toward peace. Ethnicities and cultures are not eliminated in the kingdom of God. But in the kingdom of God, they are at peace. Revelation 7-9 says, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language with, with which no one could count the number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. So the kingdom of God has ethnic, cultural, and racial peace. One of the things that doesn't exist in the kingdom of God is our very modern construct of race, black, white, Asian, which is neither biblically true or scientific, nor scientifically true. There's only one race, the human race, and the human race is invited to be at peace in the kingdom of God. National peace, ethnic peace, and we need Christian peace. Jesus calls us to unity. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. And Ephesians 4.3-6 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. We need peace in the church. 
Catholics, Lutherans, Baptists, Wesleyans, Pentecostals, Orthodox. I unfortunately could go on and on naming denominations. We don't have to agree on every minutia of doctrine, those things that are not directly addressing the person of God and salvation, but we can still be unified in the mission of making and teaching disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey God. And it probably doesn't matter if the baptism is sprinkling, pouring, or immersion. Also, within a local church congregation, we need peace. We don't all have the same preferences. We don't all have the same politics. We don't all have the same opinions. But we do all have the same purpose because we worship the same Prince of Peace. We can have a healthy debate about the effectiveness of masks, social distancing, hydrochloroquine, uh, rights granted to us as individuals and as a religious organization by the Constitution, and we can talk about the politicalization of all this COVID-19 stuff. But you may find me not always enthusiastic about discussing those things if you can't first tell me about when you recently shared the peace of Jesus with someone who doesn't yet have faith in Jesus. National peace, ethnic peace, Christian peace, and personal peace. People need peace. People need peace with God. People need peace with other people. And people need internal peace in their mind and spirit. In John 14:27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. And the Apostle Paul affirms in Romans 5:1, Since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who alone brings national peace, ethnic peace, Christian peace, and personal peace. And then those of us who have gained peace with God are to become peacemakers, giving the message of peace to others. The charge is in 2 Corinthians 5:18 and 19, which says, Everything is from God who reconciled us, that means made peace between, reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. What he says there is what Jesus Christ did to bring peace, we are to bring other people to. And the ministry of reconciliation is not only between God and people. In the book Remix, Bob Weitzel and Mark DeMaz point out that congregations that succeed in becoming multi-ethnic do so not by having the goal to become multi-ethnic, which is a mistake that I've made. Instead, becoming multi-ethnic, they do so by having a holistic ministry of reconciliation. I'll quote from Dr. Weitzel as he discusses this what Paul means by the ministry of reconciliation. The church is a place of reconciliation between humans and God and also a community of reconciliation between persecutors and the persecuted, Jews and Greeks, etc., etc. Without a focus on reconciling our histories, fears, and aspirations, we won't be partnering with God in a ministry of reconciliation. Everyone would like to think 
if I had lived sometime in the past, that I'd be on the right side of history. For those of us who are in Generation X and younger, one thought experiment I've heard is, what do you think you'd be doing if you were alive during the civil rights movement of the 1960s? The answer to that question is actually very simple. What am I doing now? That's hard work. It takes a lot of time and risk, and it's full of discouragement. I will tell you honestly how I feel sometimes when I'm discouraged. Sometimes I feel like the reconciliation in the United States between various groups, and I'll use racial terms here, black and white, American Indian tribes and whites, the poor and the wealthy, all those groups and the government and societal systems that we have in place to keep people in their place, sometimes I feel like those things are just our Middle East and nothing short of Jesus' return will fix it. But other times, I realize it is for these very things that Jesus gave his church, his Holy Spirit, to empower us. Jesus calls his peacemakers something particular in this blessing. The title for peacemakers is Sons of God. Depending on which modern translation you have, your text may read children of God. I'm all about being inclusive where appropriate, but this is one of those cases where it's more important to understand the culture Jesus was speaking to and in rather than simply translate it to overtly include males and females. I believe Jesus had every intention of including males and females in this blessing of peacemakers, but what he is giving us here is a title not a gender group. To be called is referring to being adopted as a child of God, which is for anyone, regardless of gender. But the specific calling or adoption, which Paul affirms in Ephesians 1.5 and Galatians 4.5, is adoption as sons. In Jesus' culture, being called a son means this person has certain rights, privileges, and status. So ladies, feel free to call yourselves daughters of God. That's perfectly fine. But realize that you have the same title, rights, privileges, and status as a biblical era son. For Jennifer and my wedding anniversary one year, I purchased two very small parcels of land in Glencoe, Scotland. Having this land entitles us to certain privileges, and we can travel to Glencoe and walk on the land, not just our little place, but the whole area. We can also wear the tartan of Glencoe. And lastly, a landowner in Scotland can hold a title. We have legal documents that state in Scotland we can use the titles Lord and Lady of Glencoe. And as cool as that is, it's not as cool as the title Jesus gives peacemakers, sons of God. Being one of the sons of God doesn't mean that I am some lesser deity like Hercules, but that I follow the son of God and the prince of peace as a son of God and a peacemaker, sharing the ministry of reconciliation. The blessing is that is both an honor and a work. I want to end by telling you the story of Telemachus the monk. This story was written down in the 5th century A.D., so very shortly after it happened. Telemachus traveled to Rome and arrived on a day of excitement. Everyone was hurrying to the Colosseum, the Flavian Amphitheater, 
because it was circus day. By circus, I mean gladiatorial games. Telemachus went to the Colosseum where he would hear the gladiator say, Hail Caesar, we who are about to die salute you. Realizing that these men were about to murder each other for the entertainment of 80,000 people, Telemachus jumped into the arena, stood between the gladiators, and said, In the name of Christ, stop. The crowd wasn't sure if he was part of the entertainment, but he continued to shout, In the name of Christ, stop. Soon the crowd got angry at his holding up the games. And as he pleaded again, In the name of Christ, stop. One of the gladiators ran him through with a sword. As he fell in the dirt, his final breath, he said, In the name of Christ, stop. As the gladiators looked down on the dead body of Telemachus, the crowd went silent. And in silence, 80,000 people left the Colosseum. January 1st, 404 AD, the last known gladiatorial games in Rome. Telemachus the monk, a peacemaker, a son of God. If a wall of moms can stand between protesters and police in Seattle, what can and should the sons of God do? There are two questions to answer today. If you have not received the peace with God through Jesus, will you ask for it in faith today? And if you already have peace with God, with whom and in what places will you share the work of peace? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Let's pray together from Psalm 85. I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people and his faithful ones and will not let them go back to the foolish ways. His salvation is very near to those who fear him so that glory may dwell in our land. Faithful love and truth will be joined together. Righteousness and peace will embrace Truth will spring up from the earth and righteousness will flow down from heaven. Also, the good Lord will provide what is good and our land will yield its crops. Righteousness will go to him to prepare the way for his steps. God of peace, may we walk in your steps as peacemakers and live up to the title you have given us. Amen. As you reflect on this message, think of one thing that resonated with you, one thing that challenged you, and one thing you want to learn more about. And also, one thing you will do based on what you have heard. Today, let's pray together the benediction. This is the prayer of peace from St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.